Our scripture today is found from the book of Acts, chapter 17, verses 22 through 31. Then Paul stood in front of the Areopagus and said, Athenians, I see how extremely spiritual you are in every way. For as I went through the city and I looked carefully at your objects of worship, I found among them an altar with an inscription to an unknown God. What therefore you worship as unknown, this I will proclaim to you. The God who made the world and everything in it, he who is Lord of heaven and earth, does not live in shrines made by human hands, nor is he served by human hands as though he needed anything, since he himself gives life to all mortals and breath to all things. From one ancestor he made all people to inhabit the whole earth. And he allotted the times of their existence and the boundaries of the places where they would live so that they would search for God and perhaps fumble about for him and find him. Though indeed he is not far from each one of us. For in him we live and move and have our being. As even some of your own poets have said, for we too are his offspring. Since we are God's offspring, we ought not to think that the deity is like gold or silver or stone or an image formed by art and imagination of mortals. While God has overlooked the times of human ignorance, now he commands that people everywhere repent because he has fixed a day on which he will have the world judged in righteousness by a man whom he has appointed. And of this he has given assurance to all by raising him from the dead. The word of God for the people of God. Thanks be to God. Good morning. My name is Tina Hardy. I'm the lay leader here at Bluff Park United Methodist. And I am just filling in today for our beloved Reverend Kevin, who is still at home recovering, and we hope that he will be back soon. But I am thrilled to be here, and I want to wish each of you a very happy Mother's Day. Now, I know that not all of us have raised children in our homes, whether those children are two-legged or four-legged, but we're all mothers of some sorts. Some of us did raise those, those two-legged, four-legged children in our homes. Some of us have raised children in our communities, our churches and our schools. And others have helped raise children out in the wild, wild world through community programs that serve children in need. And I bet most of us have multiple mother figures in our own lives. People that love us and that we love. People who have strongly influenced our lives. People who have made a difference with their love and their compassion. But regardless of how many mother figures you have in your life, and regardless of how much they love you, I am willing to bet that each of us has heard this phrase, because I said so, more than once in our lives. Maybe some of you are not quite as question-oriented as others and have only heard it once. I've heard it multiple times in my life. But for those of you who have never heard it, you were either raised by a saint 
or you haven't reached your fuel, full capacity on your question quota. And I'm glad to help you with that after the service. Now, I think sometimes we give mothers a bad rap for providing this answer to a question. But I'm going to challenge you that I think that conclusion is unfair. Mothers are not being indifferent and difficult when they use that response. In fact, how many times have you had that be your mother's first response? I'm thinking not ever. And you have all of these really tough questions that come at us as mothers. Why do I have to eat the peas? Why do I have to wear long pants in the winter? I'm not cold, and these are more comfortable. And then the worst question of all, why can't I? And you fill in the blank. Why can't I go to the party? Why can't I wear the dress? There's at least six inches of fabric here. Why can't I play on the golf course at midnight? Nobody else is out there using the golf course. And of course, they always put on the end of that because all of my friends are doing it. And that's when you just feel that blood pressure start to go up. But we don't start out when we hear those questions by saying, because I said so. We start out trying to help our children understand the safety reasons for wearing long pants in the winter. We try to help them understand that it may not look right. It may not be right if our dress is too small. And we try to help them understand that there were rules that the parents didn't make up that say you can't play on the golf course at midnight. But somehow none of those answers are compelling to our children. And they just keep asking. And finally, out of exasperation, we use the ultimate response, because I said so. And that's the end. Go to your room now. But I want us to think of that answer from a different perspective today. I want us to think of that answer as if God was telling us that. Think of that answer when we go to God and he tells us what to do and we want to argue with him. We want to tell him like Moses did, that's not my skill set. I'm better off in the narthex greeting people. I'm better off here. Don't put me on a mission trip. I can't hammer a nail straight for love or money. And then I always get injured on work sites. We want to argue with God instead of doing it because he said so. And then think of the answer as it relates to our faith and the choices we make. Because faith requires trust. We don't always get to see the reason. We have to trust. Again, because he said so. And then lastly, I want us to look at today the answer to the question that comes up because we live in a world that doesn't understand eternity. We live in a world that wants it now and wants it all. How many of you bought your Mother's Day present on Amazon this week? But in the past, we had to give our mothers a card that said, I'm sorry, I didn't get your present, but I'm going to get it, present to come. And we had to write that uncomfortable note in our Mother's Day card. We have become accustomed to having it now, and we forget 
that we are here for eternity. Our purpose on earth is not about the here and now. God is not a genie, but God wants to bless us when we are obedient, because he says so. As we read the scripture today, I wonder if you felt, felt that Paul was getting frustrated and exasperated with the people in Athens. In one translation of the scripture, verse 23 reads, For as I walked around and looked carefully at your objects of worship, I even found an altar with this inscription, to an unknown God. Then he comes, here comes Paul in his direct way. He says, so you are ignorant of the very thing you worship. Paul's taken these people to task, and we may think that he's frustrated with them for not listening, but that's not the issue here. You see, if you go back up a few verses, you'll realize Paul just arrived in Athens. He had been on other, to other locations in his missionary journey. He just got to Athens, and when he arrived in Athens, it's said that he was greatly distressed to see that the city was full of idols. One quote I read this week said that there were more gods in the city of Athens than there were men. They had a god for everything. Kind of like your grandma has a pill for everything. These Athenians had a god for everything. And Paul was determined that, that he was going to help the people understand the message. That he, he had seen the difference that God makes in his life. And he wanted the Athenians to understand this. And so he began preaching in the synagogues to the Jews and to the God-fearing Greeks. And then in the marketplace, he would talk to anybody that would listen to him. Can you imagine sitting by Paul in an airplane? Oh my, you would never get to do anything that you had in your list of to-do stuff. Paul had such an excitement about God that he wanted these people to understand. If you remember last week in Reverend Rick Owen's message, Paul stood there and watched Stephen be stoned to death. And now this week, 10, verses, 10 chapters later, we've got Paul, this amazing convert, trying so hard to help the people understand about the one true God. Athens is also the center of Greek culture. And so Paul was having to, to work with the philosophers that were in this city. And um, they had the Epicureans and the Stoics. I'm pretty sure the Epicureans are probably teenagers because for the Epicureans, life was all about seeking happiness and pleasure. But the Stoics, on the other hand, were the grouchy old parents. They were more based on logic and reason in harmony with nature. But because they had such different views, these philosophers sat around all day and just talked about new ideas. And they debated these new ideas. And so now you've got Paul coming into this city with a new idea and a new God. One God? What do you mean I can only have one God? So it's the, the philosophers, the Epicureans and the Stoics, who invited Paul to come and share the message with them. And that's where he begins in our scripture today. And he tells them that the God who made the world and everything in it, 
is the Lord of heaven and earth. He does not live in these temples that are built by man. He is not in these idols that you are worshiping. He lives in you. Can you imagine what the people of Athens thought? God lives in me? I don't think so. I'm a human. I'm not perfect. God's in this building. This building is God. But when we look at our sanctuary today, as beautiful as it is, this isn't God. God is here because you are here, because God lives in us. This church is only here to fill us. It's like a spiritual filling station. When you go to the gas station and you fill up your car with gas, do you take your car home and park it in the garage? No. You fill up your car with gas so you can go places. Fun places like out to eat, or maybe not so fun places like work. You can finish your to-do list or your honey-do list, but you don't fill up your car just to park it in the garage. But why do we come to church and get filled spiritually and then go home and park our spirituality in our church bag with our church clothes? instead of taking our spirituality out into the world. And that's what Paul is encouraging. I like to think that we're like these stained glass windows. The windows are beautiful, but they're not perfect when they start. The artist comes up with a design, and he takes pieces of good glass, and he breaks them. And then he reshapes them. And then he lays them down in the design and he puts the lead between them to hold the windows in place, to bring their beauty out. And that's what we are. We are broken pieces, but God reshapes us. And then instead of putting lead in us, because we all know that's poisonous, he fills us with the Holy Spirit that keeps us together and gives us what we need to go out into the world. But the best part of the stained glass windows, unless you happen to be the person sitting in the beam, is when the light shines through and you see the radiance and the glory from these lights. And we as stained glass windows have to let God's light shine through us in the world so that others can experience the glorious radiance of our Savior. And so Paul is trying to help the people of Athens understand this. And he's trying to help them understand that you have to be filled with the Holy Spirit. You have to have God's life breathed into you. So when God tells us to go, to do, to share, it's because he said so, we do it. It's not like mom wagging her finger as a frustrated moment. It's out of love. Because I said so, that's what you have to do. His unconditional love and His all-knowing wisdom are waiting for us. We just have to obey so that we can be complete, we can be transformed, and we can be filled. And as we share this message in all that we do and all that we are, we begin to build our faith. And we have to have that faith to go forward, to trust, 
Again, God doesn't tell us the whole story. As a child, I always wanted a video of the end of my life. I didn't need to know what happened at the middle because I knew the middle would work out, but I just wanted to know the end of the story. Yes, I am the person that reads the last chapter of the book just to make sure I'm really going to enjoy it before I go all the way through and sink in. But God gives us free will, and that free will changes the things that happen in our life. We have to trust Him because He said so in faith. And when we come and trust Him, He is doing that to help lighten our load. And who doesn't want their load lightened? We had the perfect example this week. My two-year-old grandson, Will, was helping his mother pick up the books and put his books back on the bookshelf. And he got them all from around the room and he stacked them up for her. But then he looked at her and he said, but mama, they're too heavy. I can't pick all these books up. And he stood there for a minute and then he began to make smaller stacks so that the burden was lightened and so that he could put the books up. And isn't that what God wants to do for us? He wants to carry our burdens. He wants to carry us. I think we've all heard the saying that he'll never give us more than we can handle. But really the saying should be, he'll never give us more than he can handle. And when we work with him and let him work, lighten our load, we will be able to do what God calls us to do because he said so. Martin Luther King said, faith is taking the first step, even when you don't see the whole staircase. What steps are you going to take this week? What do you need to let go of? How are you going to let God lighten your burden? But in classic Paul fashion, he saved the, last for the, the best for the last. He said right here at the end of our scripture today that you have to repent. That you have to repent because you're going to face judgment. We might be tempted to think that Paul was doing this to, to threaten or to scare the people of Athens. But I like to think that he did it because he wanted them to understand about eternity. That what we have here and today it's going to pass away. It's going to fade. It is not going to last forever. If we don't repent, if we don't give up these things of the world that we think are, idol, that we think are more important than our relationship with God, then we're letting these idols take over and we're losing our way. We all get caught up in the busyness of life. And we can create these idols without even realizing it. But we have to be intentional about recognizing our idols and truly repent. And then we are forgiven. Not in the way the world forgives. Because the world sometimes says, I'll forgive you, but I'm not going to forget. Or the world sometimes says, I'm sorry, but that's not what God does. He says, you were forgiven so much that I gave my only son for you, the resurrected Christ for you. He says 
that I love you so much. When I give you a clean sheet of paper, it's not somebody's written on it and tried to erase the bad things you've done. It's clean. It is a brand new sheet of paper. God will forgive us. So instead of Paul offering the people of Athens a threat if they don't repent, I think he's offering them a roadmap, and the same roadmap that we are offered. Because he said so. If we follow him, if we love him, if we do what he calls us to do, if we recognize that the things that we might think are important today aren't going to be here in the end of time, then we can have that relationship with Christ that Paul had, that Paul was trying to show the people of Athens. We can be confident of what the rest of the story is because he said so. So this week, I challenge you to remember that you are the church, that you are the church that goes out from this filling station to let God's light shine, to bring the message, to share, to offer love. I remind you that you can lean on God when you don't understand it, and He will make your pathway straight. When your burden is heavy, He will carry your load. And this world will pass away, but the Word of God will stand forever, because He said so. Amen. Hello, my name is Kevin Payne, and I'm the senior pastor here at Bluff Park United Methodist Church. Thank you for joining with us in our podcast of our worship celebration, the sermon this past week. I pray that you found it a blessing and that it enriched your life. If you are ever in our area and would like to join with us in person, we are located at 733 Valley Street here in Hoover, Alabama. Our service time is 10 a.m. and we would love to meet you. I pray you have a blessed week and hope to see you soon. Bye now.